Hello, my name is Steve Jennings. I lead PwC's energy practice in the UK. Welcome to the first in a series of podcasts about the energy transition, where we will be looking at how innovators are taking advantage of the changing sector as it becomes increasingly digital, distributed and personalised. From electric vehicles taking you to and from work, to solar panels on your roof, and batteries charging your electric vehicles overnight, through to smart energy apps that help you manage your usage and energy bills at home. It's clear there are huge shifts happening in the energy world. In this initial episode, we're going to discuss some of the broader themes about the energy transition and how technology is disrupting business models across the sector. And I'm delighted and we're very lucky to have here today Peter Davis, the chief executive and founder of Verve, an exciting new startup in the energy industry. And we have Adrian Del Maestro, our director of research in PwC Strategy and. So Adrian, if, if I may start with you, first of all, um, we do hear a lot about energy transition. Um, what are we seeing happening in the market? So Steve, we're seeing a lot happening in the market. I think that's probably the most key point there. But before we delve into some of the detail, when we talk about the energy transition, effectively, we're talking about this ongoing shift from a, a central energy system that's predominantly fossil fuel based to one that's more geared towards the low carbon world. It's a shift from a uh, to a much more decentralized and distributed model. And it's all about the importance of technology, uh, digital uh, smart technologies that allow for this innovation um, to thrive. Now, in terms of what we're seeing in terms of announcements, clearly there will be some announcements very uh, familiar to our listeners. For example, the Paris Agreement that's living, looking to limit global warming to under two degrees. But perhaps the more interesting ones that have, we've seen in, in more recent weeks and months is the UK and French governments banning the sale of new diesel and gasoline cars by 2040. And again, the French government going one step further, looking to ban oil and gas production. They're looking for that as an opportunity to do that. But what's interesting, it's the first major government to announce that, or at least that intent. Uh, you have Saudi Arabia with its uh, Vision 2030, looking to wean the country off dependence on oil, something that frankly would have been unthinkable merely five, 10 years ago. And then even if you look at businesses, there's an interesting response there. So you look at the funding institutions. If you look at the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund, nearly worth $1 trillion, uh, they are no longer investing in entities that derive significant income from coal. And you've had BNP Paribas, the French bank, recently saying that they're not going to invest in any new projects associated with oil sands or shale, and they won't support any projects uh, that require uh, funding for exploration and production in the Arctic. Volvo is a familiar one. We've seen them announce that all new cars by 2019 will be either electric or hybrid. And you're beginning to see some of the big oil companies announce plans to open up four courts in the UK that will be just for uh, electric vehicles and, and hydrogen cars. So lots of change there in terms of this move towards a low carbon world. What's also interesting is just some of the models that are beginning to emerge among oil and gas companies. And we're going to be exploring some of those in more detail in subsequent podcasts. But just a couple of examples there. Clearly, there's a group of players, oil and gas players, that are still focusing on their oil and gas hydrocarbon operations, but beginning to uh, invest in renewables, wind, solar, and diversifying their portfolio and setting some targets as well, looking ahead. And then perhaps a slightly more radical example is you have Dong, the Danish oil and gas company, recently rebranded, uh, where it used its legacy oil and gas business to fund the growth of its wind turbine low 
low carbon technology. Uh, and in fact, recently has divested all of its oil and gas assets and now is totally focused on low carbon and wind turbine technology. So some are models emerging there in terms of the oil and gas world. And we are, we are seeing significant disruption across utilities as well, where the application of technology is actually opening up new business models. And shortly we'll hear from Peter about one of those exciting new business models that's, that's emerging. Adrian, um, just before, we, before I ask Peter to, to do that, I think it would be, it would be helpful um, if you could say a little bit about what we mean by distributed energy and energy storage. Um, what's happening there? And, and again, very much lots of change there as well. So when we talk about distributed energy, we're talking about the combination of small scale energy sources like wind, solar, uh, storage, uh, underpinned by technology. But what is, what is interesting in terms of this, this trend around distributed energy is if you look at the UK, for example, we're seeing a shift in, in traditional models. So historically, you would have seen electricity production through big power plants across the country pushing that electricity out in one direction across uh, transmission and distribution networks. And now with the growth of distributed energy, you're seeing energy flow both ways now at the local grid level. Now, I think distributed energy has a very big part to play in shaping the future UK energy landscape, but clearly we're at the early stages now. But having said that, you see the major UK utilities investing enormous amount in this area, something of the order of 1.6 billion pounds in the last couple of years in uh, UK investments and overseas. And it's interesting to see that they're using these investments to basically test business models, test the technology. But I think for all this discussion and all this investment, one of the key catalysts will be the ability to use technology to capture and monetize data on usage and energy production. I think that's going to be one of the key pinch points in terms of pushing this technology ahead. Adrian, I agree. And, and, and as we do know, and as demonstrated in our recent PwC Connected Home Survey, 81% of consumers who actually own smart technology have seen an improvement in the day-to-day -day running of their home. So clearly there's a market to, to tap into there. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, Peter, welcome again. Uh, and thank you for joining us. Adrian spoke about the potential for households through a lens of distributed energy and smart technologies. Um, I know your company, Verve, is introducing a number of innovative new technologies. Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about what you are doing. Indeed. Um, well, Verve is a cool smart home hub which sits next to your electricity meter or smart meter and uses artificial intelligence to break down all your appliances into individual loads. Um, and basically by sampling millions of times faster than a smart meter, it can do things like tell you your washing machine has cost you £10, your dishwasher £12, and it can do all this in real time. And the other advantages are that that means by knowing the appliances are on in real time, we can tell you if you've left your hair straighteners on before you leave, or you've left the iron on, or the oven. Um, we can also tell you if it, you'd be better off swapping your appliance for the latest eco appliance. So how much money you would save if you swapped the latest eco kettle, for example. Um, and the really cool scenarios are things that we can tell about the degradation of your appliances too. So we can actually tell you if your washing machine motor is starting to wear. So we can tell you if it's going to break before it actually breaks. Um, the idea behind the whole tech is to really try and reduce people's bills um, and carbon footprint and try and bring this kind of smart home tech to encourage that. Um, and the really interesting thing as well is, is third parties like utilities, insurance companies and manufacturers. Um, if consumers allow them to have access to their data, then actually they can really improve their own product offering. Um, and really kind of provide this kind of data as a service that we've been looking for with the smart home revolution.
Peter, that is really interesting, and I'm sure many of our listeners will be thinking how they can buy one of these devices. But um, maybe you could build on what you've you've said um, so far and talk about uh, a little bit about the future and what developments or innovations are you looking at as you move forward with this business? Yeah, sure. Um, well, one of the coolest things we're developing at the moment is this uh, real-time peer-to-peer energy trading platform using the blockchain technology to allow people with solar and batteries to actually be able to trade directly with their neighbors, thus being able to reduce transmission costs and us you know, ideally being able to reduce energy bills again and encouraging prosumers to go out and purchase batteries and, and solar, but also to allow people that can't afford that to still benefit from their next door neighbor having gone and made that purchase. Um, and critically, um, this will improve the kind of low carbon access for and um, flexibility for these consumers. But hadn't I, I read somewhere that there are regulatory constraints around peer-to-peer energy trading? It's really interesting because the government has announced uh, plans to actually move towards a smarter, more flexible grid. Um, and as part of that movement, we actually received a, fr- a grant from the government um, so we can actually simulate our solution across um, two different platforms. Um, and the results of this will be going directly to Ofgem to actually uh, inform them as to how we can move forward with this peer-to-peer trading. So actually really excited about how this is going to play out. And a great example of innovation that's taking place in the utility sector. But maybe maybe to finish, Adrian, we could just return to oil and gas and, and hear a little bit about whether there's anything happening in the utility sector that would be relevant for oil and gas and anything to learn from. So you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's always helpful to benchmark yourself against other sectors. They also have uh, interesting ways of developing uh, innovation using technology. But to be fair to the oil and gas industry, this is an industry that's had uh, a lot of innovation and particularly successful in, in R&D and applying that technology in industry. You only have to look at what's happened with the U.S. shale revolution there to see the U.S. become the new swing producer in the global economy, in fact, disrupting the, the, the de facto power of, um, of some of the other countries that used to manage the supply of oil in the market. So lots of technology and innovation there. I think the interesting thing with the oil and gas sector is they've gone through a particularly difficult period with the oil price crash. And you've seen um, R&D investment, certainly amongst the leading oil and gas companies, oil field service companies, national oil companies, you've seen their spend on R&D decline by about nearly 25% between 2014 and 2016. So I think the key thing for them is to make sure they ring fence that R&D spend. And clearly, innovation will be critical for the sector in order to operate more efficiently on the hydrocarbon side, but equally as important to allow them to position themselves for this low carbon economy that we're seeing accelerate towards us. Adrian, thank you. Peter, thank you. Uh, It is clear from from what you've both said that disruption is having a dominant impact across uh, the energy landscape. Uh, And companies will need to work out what strategy and business model is best fit for them to help navigate through this significant change. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Please look out for the next in our series where we're looking a little more closely at how uh, energy transition is impacting the oil and gas sector and the implications for deal making. Thank you for listening.